Hi, my name is Panta Kalhor and you're listening to Transition by Panta Kalhor Podcast. I created this platform to help you grow and move forward easier through your transition, whether in parenthood, job transition, healing journey, or starting a brand new life. Episode 163, PTSD Self-Healing Show. Crushing the Childhood Trauma with Deborah Jensen, Rapid Relief Energy Mindset and Belief Leader. Hi, good afternoon everyone. Today we started a little bit early um, because we had, uh, we had this agreement to start earlier, so it's not the regular time we usually start. So what we do, we're going to talk about the childhood trauma. I know so many of us have this problem and we can't overcome this and uh, sometimes they're gonna hide it but it come uh, with us it's gonna store in all of our cellular <laughs> level uh, level and then one day you can't hide it it come in a surface and then you just realize that you have to find a way to overcome childhood trauma Today we have Deborah Jensen. She was in my summit and uh, she's also in my book, PTSD Compass. So just want to welcome her and say thanks for being supportive all the time for PTSD Self-Healing Show. And uh, in our summit, we didn't have time to go deeply through her story. But today I'm going to talk about this and especially this very sensitive sensitive uh, topic about the childhood trauma. Welcome, Deborah. Yeah, it's so nice to be here. Thank you, Pantea. Yeah, tell me about yourself first, and then tell me about your story. Why did you become Rapid Relief Energy Healer? Yes, well, it actually started long ago in my childhood, of course, and I just was a really unhappy child. And I knew that there was something awfully, awfully wrong. Um, but, you know, I was raised like everyone else to honor thy father and thy mother. And I thought my mother knew everything, you know, <laughs> they're supposed to, right? Um, they're supposed to be guiding you. And uh, what I think actually happened was um, that my father wanted another child, but she did not. And so when I came along, I think I was quite a surprise. And I believe that, you know, in hindsight, I think she went into some kind of depression or something. And anyway, my feelings all along uh, through childhood were that she really didn't love me or maybe didn't even like me. <laughs> uh, but again, I think she was suffering great depression. Um, and so all through childhood, I felt unlovable and unimportant and worthless and wrong. Um, I think because she wasn't able to deal with this child that came along, uh, she mostly just ignored me. And so 
uh, I guess most people would call that negligence these days, being neglected. Um, but I had an older sister who fortunately <laughs> was 11 years older, and I think she mostly uh, raised me to the point that I was raised. And so I mostly spent time outside with my animals. Um, I've always loved kitties because they were like my family. Um, and again, I had to suffer and, you know, feel the loss for a long time because I really didn't know what was wrong. I thought something was wrong with me. And I thought I must be a really bad child or something must be horribly wrong because I saw my mother, you know, she was giving some love to other people, <laughs> but not, it wasn't coming my direction. So I know that many people with childhood trauma think that it, it's, it's them. They are the problem. And so again, I went through many, many years being depressed and re rejected and angry and feeling unloved. And I, <laughs> I was trying to make up for not feeling loved. And so I thought if I just did enough, my mother would notice me. And so I did what a lot of people do, I think, who, who have this challenge. Um, I decided I would excel in something and then she would for sure notice me. And so what I did was someone noticed that I had a voice and it was a pretty good singing voice, I guess. And so I started singing and singing more and singing more. And then I got some roles and people seemed to really like my singing. And it seemed like every time I got in some competition, I won it. And I ended up singing professionally. And I thought, oh boy, now here it is. Now she's going to really love me, you know. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's so sad. She still really didn't notice. She noticed, I think she wanted to tell her friends, you know, that I had done something wonderful, but she, it didn't make a difference in our relationship. Um, and so I just kept excelling. I, I got a national award for something else. <laughs> you know, when someone reads my resume, they wonder what, you know, did you live your life or did you just get awards? Well, it was only to get my mother to notice me. And Again, I just, oh my gosh, um, <laughs> it's just touching that I did so much um, to get noticed. And again, it didn't work. Um, the flip side of the coin was that when she did notice me, she was making me bad and wrong for something or mostly anything. I don't know even, I've thought for years, I've tried to think back and try to find what she could possibly have found wrong with me. Um, I have been told that I was a really good little kid 
and you know loving and kind and all of that but somehow she always found something wrong with me to the point that she was so overcritical that I was afraid to say anything. And so I just stopped talking pretty much for a long time. Um, I think some people would call it, call it maybe even social anxiety. Um, but I barely could talk in school. The counselors called my parents in uh, for a conference because they wanted to know if something was terribly wrong with me. And of course, there wasn't anything terribly wrong with my brain or anything. It was just I was terrified to speak. And I know, <laughs> terrible, right? Um, and so that then that plagued me. So when I did speak, I would mostly speak way too fast. And that was because it kind of held people away from me. And then I didn't really have to connect um, because that was another big problem. It was very difficult for me to connect with other people at a really deep, you know, intimate level. And so I just did everything I could to have kind of a surface a surface conversation and never really get to anything important. Um, and, you know, it worked for a while, but um, so, so nervous about having any worthwhile relationships. And I was nervous about getting rejected. And so that, of course, carried through the rest the rest of my life until I changed it. And when I was dating, I apparently there were some, you know, gentlemen that that were attracted to me. But if anything looked or felt like it was going to be a little bit wrong, um, I rejected them fast, really fast. So they couldn't reject me first <laughs> because I didn't want uh, to be proved unlovable. And yeah. on and on and on, but that's so that's sad. yeah. So, uh, how about your dad? What was the relationship between you and that? Did you get the same rejection, or you got love and? Thank you for bringing that up. I wanted to say something about my dad. I loved my dad. That's great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he gave me a lot of love, and that's the only reason I knew what pretty much what love was, was from my dad. Um, and he was, you know, was always unconditional love and everything, which was great. The only challenge in that was that he was uh, working all over the country. So he was gone <laughs> most of the time. Um, but yes, he was a loving, loving, loving dad. And I'm not sure I would be here except for him. Um, so yeah. did you talk about your problem with your dad, like about your mother? No, someone asked me that the other day, and I don't know why I didn't exactly. Um, I think I just knew that he knew. Mm. You know, that's a great lesson. 
because lots of people have the same problem. I've I've heard so many things from people, especially um, people who are dealing with some kind of chronic disease Mm -hmm. because they don't realize they had some childhood trauma and those childhood trauma affected them. When they don't feel belonging, when they are rejected, when they are abandoned, you know, these kind of things also come with you. And uh, as you said, in your dating life, it's going (laughs) to affect you as well. Because you get the same, I mean, you get love from your parents and they are the first thing that you can encounter. Yeah, I mean, they are the only thing in the beginning you can get. So the family, the that warm kind of attention. So yeah, you missed. So when did you realize that you have to change it and it's not your fault and you have to reframe your brain or change your life? Well, this is also an interesting question. I guess I just, you know, put it on the back burner for a long time, but I was always going to the library and, or the bookstore and reading every book that I could possibly read on psychology or self-help or anything I could find. And I thought, well, there's got to be an answer somewhere, right? And there must be some reason why I'm so unhappy I was so out of touch really with what was going on because I still, even though I knew I was not a bad kid or a, you know, a bad person or anything, I guess some part of me was unwilling to believe that this was what happened. Um, Again, I still love my mother, loved my mother, loved my father. And some part of me still felt like it was me that was different (laughs) somehow. But um, like I said, I was scouring all the books anywhere I could find them and still very depressed and sad and, and feeling rejected. And I still couldn't find any answers. And finally I started taking self-help courses (laughs) and, you know, in every area that you can imagine practically Um, also somewhere in there, I also had a major car accident in which I was majorly injured. And so I was also looking for answers for the trauma and everything from that accident, uh, because the doctors had given up on me and basically they said my life was over. Well, that was hard to, you know, handle. So I was also looking for answers there and I, I ended up getting through a lot of that accident. And it wasn't until probably after that accident, uh, a few years, that I suddenly got that, wow, you know, I could, I could apply some of my tools that helped me to get through the accident. I could apply those for myself and apply them to my childhood, which was really pretty ungreat. And so I started doing that. And, um, you know, one thing would work a little bit and another thing would work a little bit. And, um, you know, 
eventually I felt a little bit better and a little bit better, but I didn't have much guidance. And then one day I thought, oh, wow, I could do this. And um, so I did something which really made a huge difference. And I thought, wow, I'm really onto something here. And it seemed to get rid of a lot of the triggers that, you know, the, the things that would remind me of my mom and certain circumstances with my mom, which would just send me in, you know, down the rabbit hole usually. So but what was it? Not, pardon me? <laughs> what was the solution exactly? Well, it's, it's a combination of like a lot of things. Um, so I'm not sure that's a short answer to that, but it was um, working with, I call it, I've got a name for it. Um, it's called the Childhood Trauma Reset. And I suddenly realized that I had to go back and to some of the words and phrases and so forth that I heard, um, like my mother basically must have had a bad day. She actually told me I was worthless one day. <laughs> and I remembered that phrase. And so I started doing this thing that I do to help release the stress from that phrase and then um, to do a few other things. And then I changed my belief about all of that. Um, because what I found also is that, you know, some it's it's not easy to be a parent, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a wonderful thing, but it's not easy. And everybody has bad days. So, you know, I don't always know what happened, but um, sometimes it's your perception of what was said or the behavior that you saw or the circumstance, not actually what was said or the circumstance or the behavior. And so I knew that my, my perception, my new belief was in agreement. Uh, I mean, she did say it that day, but I think she had a bad day. And so I, I changed my belief to one of that I was very valuable and I changed some other beliefs as well. And so it's kind of this, it's this whole process that wrapped up into one, uh, kind of one tidy little ball, rewires the whole experience. And again, it seems to take away the triggers. And so when I think of my mom nowadays, um, I mostly just, I experience her, but I don't experience all of the depression and the anger and the anxiety and the trauma. Uh, it's just, oh, my mom. But it, it actually affected you very positively because you had to excel <laughs> in so many things, right? You had to learn, you know. And so it was not, 
yeah, it's bad that uh, you couldn't have that connection. But uh, for your personal development, was it great? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can see what you're saying, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We'll say, we'll say I have a lot of accomplishments as a result. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had, you had, yeah. So, what is your recommendation for people who are blaming themselves from childhood trauma? Because this blame gonna accompany you for rest of your life. But what is your recommendation? What is your rapid relief? recovery recommendation well i would just say you know leave the blame aside and first of all what i found over the years is is that people who blame actually don't heal or they don't heal as quickly and that was really hard for me to learn um, at first but what I do is I talk to people about taking responsibility. Um, certainly everybody in the relationship has responsibility uh, for the actions and the words and everything. Um, but what I find is taking responsibility really leads to healing. And I'll tell you, the uh, this is kind of back to my car accident, but one of the first healers that I went to after my accident told me something that made me really angry and it was forgive the forgive the guy who hit you you know forgive the driver that was at fault and i think my answer was something like you've got to be kidding <laughs> you know <laughs> and she said no forgiveness is the first step you must forgive you must let it go that's going to be a major part of your healing. And I have to say at that time, because I didn't know what I know now, it took me a while. And I was definitely not going to forgive that guy. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't think I, I was a vengeful person or anything like that. But wow, he brought, I'll say that he brought out the worst in me <laughs> because I, it, those few seconds changed my life. In the end, you know, it's changed me for the better, for sure. Um, and also it helped me to learn forgiveness, which also I applied to, you know, my mother and that relationship. Beautiful. So you have a website and you said you updated your website guide to find findingpeace.com. So uh -huh. what do you have there and what do you have for my audience? Yes. Um, they get to see a, I'm excited about it actually. Um, they get to see a progression of how someone can, start in a really bad, bad place of trauma and anxiety and all of, you know, everything that that creates. And then they get to see how to work one's way out of that. And then, and it's a real life example. And then what happens at the end of the example? 
So once the person comes through all of that trauma and anxiety, oh my gosh, there is such a wonderful life waiting at the end. It's so exciting. And I think also people don't realize how quickly you can actually get there with, so I hope that they can realize that from that example. Um, that's kind of my mission now is it took me a really long time to come through this because I didn't know what I was doing, you know, but with some of the things that are available to us today, oh my gosh, you know, people can feel the changes, really significant changes in like one or two sessions. That doesn't mean that that's going to be all that is required, but that's why I call it rapid relief coaching. Um, so people know, because I think people uh, used to think at least that it took many, 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 many years or maybe forever to, you know, come through traumas Anyway, to answer, that was kind of a long answer to your question, but yeah, I'm very excited about that because I think they're going to really notice how a person can blossom and come out of trauma to just an amazing life that they have never probably exactly. only dreamed of. You know, PTSD to me has two sides. One side of it is that you think you are stuck, uh, you can't move, uh, something bad happened to you, you need some healing. But in the other, on the other hand, you grow because you learn from your trauma, you learn mm -hmm. from the PTSD, and uh, you want to start again because you don't want to stuck. You do, you you really want to leave, right? That was my. Yeah. Right. all the time i said mm -hmm. i love to leave because as i see the sky on top of me and as i'm breathing you know still i have so many things that i can love so i i'm gonna heal i'm gonna just run and walk and enjoy my life so when something bad happened to me uh, went through happens i just look at whatever left for me i don't think about loss i think about whatever left for me what can i do with what what is remaining and uh, what can i enjoy how can i enjoy i know it's not easy for people who had childhood trauma and you may still have those triggers but because you of your beliefs and your inspiration of continuing your life to fullest so it it, it it just happened so life just continue and still seasons coming still the sky is there so um, we have to live and we have to believe that uh, life is going to bring so many great things after trauma mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I totally believe that. I totally get that. I think some of the best things come out of the worst things, oftentimes. And I would have to tell you that before my accident, before 
all of this work. Um, in comparison with how I am now, I would say I've just, it, my whole life has expanded tremendously. Um, I, I guess the best example I could give you is that way back then, <laughs> before I was hurt or injured or anything, I would have said that my life, I was kind of like a little, you know, one, one-sided paper doll going through life, doing, you know, everything as expected. And now I would say I'm a full human being living a fabulous life with great joy and experiencing things in, in a way that I really, I don't think I could have experienced before. And I think also, um, you know, people, they, they don't oftentimes have gratitude until they lose something really exactly. dear. I like that. Yes. Yes. So thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed that. Our book, PTSD Compass, uh, was number one bestseller in Australia, Canada, and US. It's still there. You can go and order it. I really, really enjoy talking to you, especially when you talk about the details, because I was really uh, curious to know about your story. Thank you so much. Deborah. Thank you, Pente. Thanks for having me. Have a nice day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Please subscribe to Pontal Calhoun Transition Channel to get the latest interviews and order my book, PTSD Compass, through Amazon. How to confront PTSD and navigate trauma to triumph.